commands. Go tell a 36, try to grab other friends. We're back like we never left. On track like a treble clef. Skip a beat on the seventh rest. Bring feast, we don't pass them over. We got the first fruits, no way to show us. This yoke is easy, this burns light. Even with a loud mouth trying to eat at the mic. Even if we down south, the humidity spike. Bales torn in two, so we gon' be all right. It's all grace till the half goes off. Heretics better run till the top blows off. Got them all stood still like a jaw full of Botox. Time to break them down like a jaw on a blow pop. Don't stop, they're in need of it though. Through grace, by faith, they could easily grow. New wave, new age, new way to see bro. Now one truth, life, one way to his throne. alone that's faith alone our glory to god because that's his alone since the land's been slain we can each belong the lord is my strength my peace and my song and i'll lay it all down at the feet of his throne so relax got a still in control he knows every care every fear that you hold he knows every hair ever need for your soul nothing new around here this story's been told bet you feel weak and your life is in tatters with bruised feet your body is battered you can't reach trying to climb up that ladder sit back and hold fast to messiah matters it's all grace till the half goes off heretics better run till the top blows off got them all stood still like a jaw full of botox time to break them down like a jaw on a blow pop don't stop they're in need of it though through grace by faith they could easily grow new wave new age new way to see bro now one truth life one way to his throne bet you feel weak and your life is in tatters with bruised feet your body is battered you can't reach trying to climb up that ladder sit back and hold fast to messiah matters It is Wednesday, January 18th, 2023. This is Messiah Matters, number 415. My snow has all melted. What's up with you? My name is Caleb Hay. My snow. Oh, yeah. You're Caleb. I'm Rob, and my snow is also <laughs> pretty much mostly melted. I stole Rob's thunder. <laughs> he told me his snow had all melted. Did you have any snow at all? No. No. Well, yeah, we did uh, back in December, beginning of December. So, have you had yeah. any leaks in the roof of your studio? No. No. Of That's because you know how to build a roof, man. Because I built it, man. Built it myself. Now there is Egg some. Power. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, let me get my notes up here. Aha! Uh-huh, there we are. Uh, I want to say hello and welcome to everyone in the chat room and everyone listening afterwards we are grateful that you're with us today and so i'm gonna bring up a couple of things for you here this is so that everybody knows how to get a hold of us you can send us an email chagatorresource.com i'm gonna change that i think this week i'll change it so chagatorresource.com but you can also you can also uh send us an email to caleb at messiahmatters.com which is new uh and you can send emails to rob as well rob at messiahmatters.com yeah. yes you know i was just uh, thinking what's that like you know they have people for uh the hearing impaired or for the deaf they have people who do sign language right you know, and i was thinking i wonder if someday we'll have uh you know we'll get up to 37 or 38 listeners and we'll need a an interpreter probably but not going to happen did you see the headline there was a lady who <laughs> who got a gig for like a Sheriff's Department yes. or something. And it was just nonsense. <laughs> she didn't I'm even know like, sign language. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness. 
this is and the guy's like, yeah, I guess we didn't vet her very well. <laughs> it's like the Hebrew roots, uh, Hebrew teachers. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> exactly. I know Hebrew. I promise. <laughs> okay. Come on in and teach our congregation. Yeah, yeah exactly. Tell us all the w- words of wisdom that you know. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we laugh, but yeah, that's pretty sad. Okay. But then uh, she would double down and say, no, you don't really know. Uh, <laughs> I, I really know. And you're the one that doesn't know. You know. Yeah, exactly. All right. Okay. Uh, the, the other way that you can get a hold of us is through our comment line, 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. And last but not least, don't forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel. I know it's weird, but it does help us. And uh, if you've already subscribed, tap the like button. We appreciate that just as much. Smash it. <laughs> smash it. Smash the like button. That's um, the old okay. 80s language, I guess. Let's see here. What was I going to do? Oh, yeah, that's right. I, you know, I'm that's all funny. discombobulated today. I'm all over the place. We got a lot to talk about. And I'm very happy mm-hmm. that so many people have sent us. Sorry if I look distracted. It's because I'm trying to do all the things that I didn't do uh, before I came on air uh, while I talked to you. So, um, we have a lot to talk about, and I'd like to thank everyone. Actually, Tim Lee's in the uh, uh, in the chat room today, which is good. We're going to talk about his comment. Got a couple other comments that people have uh, sent in, and, and uh, it looks like it's going to be a, a good show today, I think, I hope. Uh, and uh, there was also some confusion. Uh, if you've seen the title of this, which I'm sure everyone has by now, if you've seen the title of this, um, I think I named it something like uh, the, the Law is Grace or something something like that. Uh, something to, to that effect. So there was confusion last week when we said that when I said, I'm not going to lay it on on Rob, but, I'll, but when I said, I believe that the Torah is grace or that there's grace in the Torah. And so some people wrote back and they said, okay, what do you mean by that? Do you mean that we see the grace of God through the prophecies of the Messiah and his work on the cross, which certainly we do, but I am going to take it a step far. I'm going to double down, I'm going to double down and show 415 and we'll talk about that. That's going to be our main topic today. All right, now that you know what's coming, let's jump into it. Um, so, sorry, I'm just making sure my connection is right. This one is not the main topic. This is from CM. This is a comment left on uh, our uh, one of our short clips on the Sabbath probably a month ago. So I'm sorry it took so long to get to it, but this is what CM says. He says, if you don't spend money on Sabbath, then you have to cook. Now, this is an interesting... Uh, I don't think that that's actually true. I don't think that's actually true. In fact, uh, if you're at all acquainted with the Orthodox Jews or the Hasidic Jews or um, basically all of Israel right? The, the religious, the Jewish religious sects of, of Israel within Israel. If you go to say the old city, I lived in the old city for several months. If you live in the old city, everything shuts down. And I remember one time I'll tell a story. Do you mind if I tell a story, Rob? Oh, I love it. Story time. We need story time. a, a little intro for story time. Intro for story time. Hey, chat room, jump on it. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's get some music for that. Okay. So uh, I was he's in the old to tell. He's going to tell. He's going to tell. Maybe Rob will jump <laughs> on it. Let's hear it, Rob. Okay, so um, I was living in the old city of Jerusalem and uh, up by the Armenian quarter. And I was, I don't know, for those who have been to Israel, I was probably a five minute walk from the Western Wall. Uh, it was it was glorious. Anyway, so I'm staying in this youth hostel. It was a, I actually thought it was cold and uninviting, but nonetheless, it was a very famous youth hostel in the old city. There was a, uh, a group of three or four people who came in on a Friday night. And these people were Christians, uh, obviously had never been to Israel before. And they came in, it was maybe 10 minutes when they walked in the door, it was 10 minutes before the Shabbat was going to start. And so they get, they've just traveled from America. They need to go get groceries. They're making all these plans. And we told them, you know, hey, you're going to have a hard time finding uh, things that are open because it's almost the Sabbath. 
And boy, oh boy, uh, they did have a hard time. In fact, they couldn't get money out of the ATMs because all the ATMs shut down and you can't, you can't get money out of the ATMs on Shabbat. Um, they couldn't find rides anywhere, uh, obviously, except for the Arabs, but the Arabs weren't going to pick them up. And uh, I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. They just had the worst time. So we ended up sharing food with them. Uh, but the point, all of this to say, there are, for generations and generations of, of uh, Jews, there has been an understanding that you pre prepare your food beforehand. Now, not everyone in the Torah movement does that. Now, I'm not putting anyone down who doesn't. In fact, I make it a goal on Shabbat to cook uh, breakfast for my family. And I do that uh, so that my wife doesn't have to. So uh, I, I think that every family is going to be different and every community is different. However, it's, it's not correct to say, oh, well, you're going to have to, you're going to have to cook. Uh, we usually eat leftovers after breakfast is done. We eat leftovers for the rest of the day. So that's the point. That's my point here. So anyway, back to the comment. If you don't spend money on Sabbath, you have to cook. You don't have to. Uh, and if rest, and if I, I should have smoothed this out a little bit. If you rest too, it feels like going out and watch. Oh, and if rest too, you feel like going out and watching a movie or going to a park, you have to pay to get in. Isn't that still rest? So I think the, the point here, and you know, I've heard this, this same argument. I'll, I'm going to I'm going to send this over to you here, Rob, because I've been talking for a long time. But, um, I think the point here is, uh, is, you know, why isn't it rest to say, go watch a movie that seems pretty leisurely or, why isn't it rest to go to, you know, a theme park with your family and enjoy the festivities? Why isn't it rest to, uh, you know, go to a restaurant if you're not cooking? I think that's the overall point that CM is making here. And I'm going to let you talk now. Go. Well, I think there's recreation is different than rest. Like I think of going, like going to a park well, it depends. Like, are you going to like a zoo or something? Or are you going to go and, and uh, you know, uh, every case is going to be different. Like, so if we just start through, well, what about this? Well, what about ism? You know, what about this? What about that? Um, you know, just, I, I would say, read what the Bible says about the Shabbat and, and start implementing parts of it into your life, you know, and build and, and make it a priority, prepare food in advance and um, recognize this, that if you're like, what is the purpose of Shabbat? Like, why did God give us the, the commandment to rest? It has to do with uh, remembering who we are in him, right. that we're not slaves of this world, but we're his children. And we need that renewal in his word. So um, I think being in the word is, is super important on the Shabbat also. But uh, I don't have a problem if someone goes for a walk and is just enjoying, you know, the, a sunny afternoon or something like that, or wants to go park and sit by a little pond or something and, and um, you know, enjoy some some physical relaxation and some fresh air. I think that's great. So, but, but if you're like, well, I want to go to the zoo and that's more, I see that more as recreation or go to the movies. That's more recreation. Right. But I don't see that. that as resting like according to the Shabbat that, um, so, so the John, the John 17 project says this just makes me think of a saying from the, my time in the army, proper preparation prevents poor performance. The idea is to take That's the time to prepare so things. Yeah, it is a lot of peace. The idea is to, is to take the time to prepare so uh, so things go well. Um, you know, just thinking through the Torah itself and in the law of God, and uh, we are commanded to rest on the Shabbat, right? Nowhere in the uh, five books of Moses is it said that we're not allowed to spend money. However, we have case law given to us on spending money. I think it's what in Ezra. Where is Jeremiah. it? Jeremiah, Nehemiah. Right yeah. where where the uh, the merchants are setting up right the merchants are setting up to sell it's still Shabbat and uh, the prophet comes and says what are you doing anybody who's here next time is not going to go well for you so it seems that we have a good case law it's Nehemiah thank you chat room um, we have good case law for the idea that uh, money should not be uh, now it could be argued 
And it's also on, Jeremiah 17, I think maybe. On the flip side of this, it yeah. could be argued that, uh, okay, well, that's people within the covenant. You know, Gentile, you're allowed, so if a, just just purely talking about uh, laws here, if you, if an uh, animal dies in the field on its own, you're not allowed to eat the meat, but you are allowed to, um, you are allowed to sell it to the non-covenant member who is passing through, correct? Okay, so then what about other laws? Uh, would that, would that be case law for laws like uh, allowing a Gentile who is not part of the covenant? And when I say Gentile, what I'm I'm not this has nothing to do with bloodline. What I mean by Gentile is one who has not come to uh, covenant membership through Christ. So if you are uh, if you're dealing with a person who's not a covenant member, are you allowed to then uh, buy something from them or or exchange money with them since they're not part of the? Uh, uh, part of the covenant. And I think that this, ultimately, I think that this, uh, this now comes down to the old adage of ask your local rabbi, what is your, what is your teacher in your community say? Now, there are going to be people also who are part of communities that don't celebrate the Shabbat. So for instance, the pastors at the, uh, the community that I attend currently is, uh, they're not uh, Sabbath keepers, at least I shouldn't say that they're not, they are Sabbatarians, they're not Sabbatarians on Saturday. And so they would probably say, yeah, go for it. It's no big deal. But uh, at that point, you know, then it goes to the home. We have to decide what the, within our homes what, what is going to be the standard for our home. I know that Rob and myself, we do not, uh, we do not spend money on Shabbat. And uh, we do that because of, thank you, love is bigger. Uh, Nehemiah 10.31 is, uh, is the exact reference that I was looking for. Thank you for that. Um, so uh, I personally don't spend money, nor does my family uh, spend money on the Shabbat because of the prophetic sayings and the case law that we have for that. And I believe that that's the same reason that Rob doesn't spend money on Shabbat. Am I right on that? Yep. So it comes down to, I mean, what we're in a, in this world, we're in a values battle. And we totally agree. You know, we're, we're, our values are mixed up, right? And none of us have the exact same hierarchy of values. You know, where we're all in different places on different issues. And as right. in our discipleship to Yeshua, our values should be over time become more and more in aligned with with Yeshua, right? With the word of with the revealed word of God. And that's what seeking the kingdom and his righteousness is all about. Ultimately, we recognize the value of the things of the kingdom of God right. as much more precious than the the values of the, the things of this world. But we all have to work, sort that out in our day-to-day life, in our relationships, right? Am I, you know, is a guy treating his wife horribly or is he protecting her and loving her and building her up, you know? I mean, is how does a guy or a woman treat their children or how are they with their siblings or how do they honor their parents or do they badmouth their parents, right? These are all avenues where we have God's commandments and his expectations and and what is required of what what are the the boundaries of holy living and then there's our behavior and so whether it's the sabbath or our speech or what we eat right all the all these things are areas where we need to be making adjustments and we have to keep our eyes on yeshua so i i don't know that it i don't look at it like a box or a list of boxes i have to check Exactly. Yes. But I do. Exactly. But I do. You know, we do come to Friday going. Okay, we're planning ahead. It's like okay, so we're making two kind of big meals on on Friday. You know, one is, you know, for the next day, and one is for for that night. And so there is this like like yeah, I I, I need to get ahead of this, right? I need to. But but that's learning to behave in a way where our priorities are are um, reflected in our behaviors. I think the other, I think there's another point to that. So I completely agree with what you're saying. There's not like, you know, our, our, there's so many things that you just said that sparked a lot of stuff in my mind. First of all, my family is not, uh, you know, we have a lot of outside influences pushing against our observance of oh, the Sabbath. Yeah. So we have the church that we go to are, they're not Saturday Sabbatarians. And so we stick out in that. Now there are other Saturday Sabbatarians in the church, but we stick oh. out. Oh, cool. That's good. The other thing is, is that, uh, you know, family members, we have very close family that do not understand, you know, immediate family that does not understand why we would not, you know, why won't you go out for this birthday 
this family birthday gathering at the restaurant on Saturday. You know, this continues to be a a point of contention. And it's difficult. It's difficult because we don't want, we're not doing, we're not, we're not trying to maintain our own standard just to maintain our own standard. We're doing it because we believe that's what God wants us to do. But at the same time, it's like, we're also disappointing and letting down close family members who are a part of our lives on a daily basis, you know? Um, and so all of that, you know, it's, it's, I'm not, I'm not numb to the idea that this is difficult. It is difficult. Uh, and it's difficult for my family as it is, I'm sure for many other families. But the point is, is that we do it because of, of the Lord and, and the Lord has asked us to do that. The other thing that I've realized in my journey of keeping the Sabbath for what, 35 years at this point in my life is that I used to be, I think a little bit of a tour terrorist on this. Why aren't you doing what, you know, doing it the way that I, why aren't you doing it the right way is kind of the way that I looked at it. And at this point in my life, the thing that I've realized is I'm going to keep the Sabbath the way that I think that the Lord has, uh, has, uh, told us to do that. And I'm going to do that within my home and I'm going to do that for my family and my family's going to do that, but I'm not going to tell someone down the street, Hey, you're doing it wrong. Not at this point. And the reason why is because you know what, their family might do things differently. I've realized that, the, that, uh, even with, even with, uh, the disciples, right? The disciples are going through the grain field. They're, they're, what are they doing? They're essentially harvesting, right? And the Pharisees say, look at what, what, what's going on. What are you, you know, what are your disciples doing here? The Lord says, don't you know that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So, I mean, even within our Lord's own words, it seems that there is leniency here when it comes to look, man, if you're hungry, eat something, you know? So I think that that's for the Lord to decide. Am I going to go out and, and uh, buy myself McDonald's on Shabbat? The answer is no. Uh, we would, we, we try to prepare our food beforehand. I try to make breakfast for my family in the morning to give my wife a rest and to uh, have something special for the kids. And you know what? Uh, I make the easiest thing and one of the only things I know how to make. And the kids now look forward to pancake Saturdays, right? It's the day when dad makes what my son calls the best pancakes in the world, which is really just one of the, you know, you put the cup in and add water. <laughs> they're not, they're not great. Anyway, not the point. Okay, let's move on. I hope that that answers that question at least a little bit. We're going to move on. This, this was, we were debating whether or not this was going to be the main topic. Peter H. writes in, he says, I agree with the points you both made. Well said. However, I'm curious do you think the apostles in the first century were, in fact, a sect of Judaism? Or on the other hand, were they just cherry-picking Judaism? Now, I want to stop right here and, and give a little grace here to P- Peter. Um, he's using the language that we used in the clip that he commented on. And in that clip, we said that Messianic Judaism is cherry-picking, right? It's cherry-picking from Judaism. They're not, they're not observing Judaism. They're observing what they want to from Judaism. So it's, um, you know, he's using the the word and we're talking about the idea that there were different sects in the first century of Judaism. And we were talking about the different sects today of Judaism that disagree with each other. So he's using these terms, sect of Judaism. He's uh, using the the term cherry picking because we use those terms. So, uh, just just to give grace here, accepting some t- so back to uh, back to Peter's comment. Let's back up just a little bit. Were they just cherry picking Judaism, accepting some teachings of the Pharisees while rejecting other teachings of the Pharisees to make it work with their quote new belief, similar to Paul in his defense in the Sanhedrin? He pits the Pharisees, his sect, against the Sadducees with beliefs that he also shares. However, if most of the uh, Pharisees in the court knew the extent of his beliefs concerning the Messiah, they more than likely would have considered him a heretic and thus a part of their, not a part of their sect or even of Judaism on a larger scale. What do you think? So uh, let's now, that was the entire comment. Let's back up and uh, let's, we're going to throw this one over to Rob. He says at the very beginning, he says, I am curious, do you think the apostles in the first century were in fact a sect of Judaism or on the other hand, were they just cherry picking Judaism? Let's talk about that. Rob? I think, no, they weren't a sect. In terms of the biblical canon, if you look at the language, it's the Greek word from where we get heresy is the word often translated as sect. Um. If they're, they're being, that's awesome, called, by the way, that's awesome, being told by the way. That, well, oh, 
that, that, that the word sect comes from the same word for heresy. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, well, because it, it has to do with like opinion, right? It comes from the Greek word of like an opinion or a way of life. Um, but um, but if you look at the use of that word, particularly in Acts, it it's in the mouths of it says the sect as a as a an accuser is calling them a sect. And then I think it's when and they get Paul says um, which they call a sect. Now, you, let's stop for just a second, because I will say that it, it is in the past week that Rob changed my mind on this, because when we were preparing for this show, show, I said, sure, I think Paul probably saw him in a sect of uh, him, himself as a new sect of Judaism. And Rob said, I, said, I don't think so. Oh, here. OK, I found it. So in Acts 24, this is this is just where I would say, you know, um, the, in the the accuser's mouth. We have found this man a real pest. They're talking about they're they're talking about Paul and a fellow who stirs up dissension among all the Jews throughout the world, a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Okay, so this is this is propaganda, right? They're they're trying to make uh I mean, do we agree that he's a real pest? No. Right. Do we agree that he stirs up dissension? That's not his goal. He's preaching the truth. And then, it, you know, some believe, some don't. He's a ringleader? No. See, right. Uh, even he, he even tried to, the next verse, 24, verse 6, he tried to desecrate the temple. Do we believe that? So, right, this is a, this is, uh, a you know, a false report about Paul to get him into trouble. And then if... Um, and then in verse 24, 13, Paul says, nor can they prove you the charges which they now accuse me. So in other words, this, uh, but I, I'm not that. And he says, but I, this I admit to you, according to the way which they call a sect, I do serve the God of our fathers, believing everything is written in the law and is in the prophets, etc." So, um, the only time he says he had lived as a Pharisee according to the strictest sect of our religion. Um, but but he's but that is just talking about him living as a Pharisee. He would say the Pharisees are a sect, but the way is not a sect. Because so it's, it's, I think it, I'm 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 trying to I'm trying to think of of some of the things that you said the other day too, which is you said well he might have been in a sect, but one now it's just about being in Christ. Now we're in yeah. Christ, and and what really uh, what, that made me think a lot about the idea that when. Belief in Christ comes. Paul starts teaching that the Jews are not the only covenant members, right? That the Gentiles now are included in the covenant. This is, this is just like pure heresy in the minds of the of the Jews of the first century. And the interesting thing about this is, is that you have you have attestation of the Pharisees coming to Christ. You have. Um, people from the Sanhedrin who seem to come to Christ. You have people from the Sicarii who come to Christ. You have people, you know, you have all these from different the priests. Priests, there's priests and acts priests, that become believers, right? Priests become, and and then yeah, no on the Sadducees uh, on, though. But then you have even beyond that, right? Beyond that, you have Romans who are coming to Christ. You have a soul, Roman soldiers who are coming to Christ. You have Gentiles, Ethiopians, all these people who are, you know, people from all the, you know, and, and Luke is very, uh, a lot of hyperbole or, yeah, like, like blowing it up, you know, he, he says, and people from all the nations. So it's like, okay, and that's in Acts 2. Um, it's it, yeah. Yeshua, he, Yeshua didn't come to reaffirm the Pharisees, or to say, "Hey, Pharisees, good job," or to the right, or to any of these groups. That's that. These are little little cliques that of traditions of men that you know emerged and pitted themselves against each other, and they're playing this you know political power game, religious power game. Yeshua's not 
defined by that. His disciples are not defined by those kinds of things. You know, we're it's it, it's interesting because I think that that bleeds into today. You know, we've talked so much about different labels and. You know, I've, I myself, I have thought a lot about, you know, well, who am I, who am I running with? You know, where, what believers really are close to me in their theology? And I think that this is almost a, uh, you know, as, as we talk about these things and as we continue to kind of hash out, you know, the, the understanding of, of the Bible and ethnicity and these things, what I'm starting to realize is the, there is, there is a remnant and it's not, uh, you know, it's, there are it's many not people. It's institutionalized identity. Right. And, and. It's not a rem- brick and mortar uh, identity. And the remnant, it, yes. And the remnant is in all different sects and all different, you know, denominations and all different, you know, it's, it's people from all over the world. And so, you know, it's, which is a little bit, uh, it's a little bit encouraging to me because oftentimes I sit back and I think, man. You know, am am I missing the 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 goalpost here? Is this not you know? And the reason I think that is because there's so much of the institution of you know Judaism. There's so much of the institution of Christianity that says now this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And then what we see, like for instance, in the Reformation, you have the people who were the the very few standing up and saying, "No, I'm going to stick for I'm going to stick to what I believe the Bible says." And because of this, you have reformation in the church that spreads across the entire world. So I think, you know, the remnant of effects, the remnant is affecting the change. And I, I find that to be extremely um Here's what you could do, too, is just say, look, in terms of identity, you know, Paul in Acts 24, 14, can you say, I serve the God of our fathers, believing everything is in accordance with the law and is written in the prophets? Right. I mean, that's if if you want to define it and, and use the word sect that fluidly or that, you know, malleably, you know, to have it be something. Yeah, I believe in in the law and the prophets. And so, and and that Yeshua is the Messiah. He is um, by by faith in him. I am now going to be part of this persecuted group, which is in line with the prophets. So they persecuted the prophets who were before you, right? That's what he said. Right. And we're going to affirm John the Baptist as a prophet. There is a beautiful, uh, (laughs) there is a beautiful uh, interaction in the, in the chat room right now. Defiantly Trill says, uh, did they continue to practice Judaism or make a new religion? Tea Time Fan says, uh, responds and says, uh, the Judaisms of that time. Actually, Defiantly Trill says the Judaism of their time, to be clear. And, and Tea Time Fan <laughs> writes back and says the Judaisms of that time. And Josh Maya says Judaisms. And, and I think that this is, I think that this is uh, exactly, I mean, people know what we're going to say. Yeah, uh, the, these are all traditions, these are all labels that come later to define tra- uh, traditions of man. Club, clubhouses based around the traditions of man. Yeshua, it's not, that, that's not, that's a secondary but I think, issue I think that he has to deal with. I think the point is, is to say Judaism is to assume that there was a, monolith, a monolithic Judaism of the time. <clears throat> and whether or not uh, whether or not Paul or any of the apostles felt like they were carrying on some uh, form of one of the Judaisms of the time or not, which I, you know, I think that, I think that the, there was this, Paul goes off and he starts to, I'm going to hash this out a little bit. Paul goes off and he studies the scriptures for an amount of time before he comes back and really hits home what he's, you know, his teaching. And I think that he did that to go and, and understand, better understand the Abrahamic covenant, the Abrahamic promise, and then to, to this mind blowing understanding all of a sudden, the reason I say mind blowing is because it, it, it affects Every single, uh, every single aspect of his letters. Look for the Abrahamic covenant in any of Paul's letters. And defiantly, Trill says their Judaism is is in specific. And I think that once again, even when we talk about the the notion of 
uh, the apostles. I don't think that they were all from the same sect of Judaism. I don't think that they were all from the same uh, theological beliefs. In fact, I think that there was a wide variance in theological beliefs that now makes up the followers, the disciples of Christ. And this is one of the reasons that I think when Paul comes back and he starts, you know, he come he comes and te- is teaching now of the uh, the Abrahamic covenant. And this is really what what changed my mind to agree with Rob. I don't think that they were uh, believing in th- that they were starting a new sect. I think what they were saying is, hey, we're part of the remnant, and the remnant is from every nation. The remnant is from every belief. There is one core belief that is preached in the scriptures, and now we see it. And we do yeah, that the as source, a, the, a way to think of it is it <clears throat> back to the idea of cherry picking. Oh, we'll take this from here, and we'll take this from here. No, because the the so- what's the source of of the strength of the, of the believers in Yeshua. It's not, it's not identification with a sect is not a source of strength for them. Source of strength is identifying with Messiah as the, the, the promised one to come that he has come and that his instructions are like, Oh, you know, you mean, you mean, if you mean all these years I studied as a Pharisee, I don't really understand the Torah. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. And what you're going to see is guys like this Saul of Tarsus here. Watch him. For many more years now, he's going to be, I'm obviously making this not a real conversation. (laughs) Watch him for another, you know, decade or so. He's going to be persecuting y'all. He's going to be making life very difficult for you. But guess what? He's mine. Right. And when the time is right, I'm going to kick him in the rear. And then he's going to do a whole bunch of stuff that he can't even imagine right now for this, for the sake of the kingdom. So um, the strength of believers and their, 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 their motivation for their activity is not at all stemming from what they're getting from different Jewish sects. Not at all. Excuse me. No. That that's it's so, from from the scriptures and from the the conviction of Yeshua is who he said he is. I want to I want to. This is a great comment or a great question uh, from unashamed of Jesus. If we belong to a denomination, we don't necessarily agree with all the theology. Should we remain as a remnant example for others in our communities? Uh, so this is this is great. But by the way, uh, many I think most people who listen to this show on a regular know that I am currently attending with my family. We are attending. Uh, they say they're not a nominational, but it's it's quite clearly a, um, a Presbyterian denomination. I mean, it's they're clearly Presbyterian, whether or not they're part of a denomination or not. They're clearly Presbyterian, and um, I I tend to tell people when they ask. So you know where's your theology? I'll say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, Calvinistic. I, uh, I'm pronomian and I lean Baptist in many things. And so does this mean that I'm part of the Baptist denomination? I think that the Baptists wouldn't have me, even if I wanted to be a part of a Baptist denomination, I think they'd kick me out. But the point here is simply that these are words that are used to, uh, show a theological understanding of, of the Bible. But, that doesn't mean that I'm going to leave my church because I tend to lean more Baptist in my theology than Presbyterian. I think that, and I've said this many, 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 many times on this show, I believe that the Lord is moving for a third, or depending on how you see the Reformations, uh, a second, but a third Reformation in the church. And I think that Reformation is an, a, a new understanding, a love for God's covenants and His and His law. And uh, so I, I believe that that is the reformation that is, that is beginning to happen. And that can only happen if people who are, and this isn't for everyone, by the way, I'm not saying everyone should go out and, and just uh, be part of a Christian church, but that can only happen if there are people in the church who are pushing that reformation forward, who are standing as witnesses for what is, for what is the truth. There's nothing wrong with like loose what maybe you could call a loose denominationalism. Like in other words, you know, like Paul says, you know, when I, when I was hanging out with Pharisees, I, I, you know, made it work so that I could uh, bring the message of the gospel into that place. He didn't just 
start doing a bunch of obnoxious things that he knew the Pharisees would consider obnoxious, right? He didn't make himself obnoxious to them. Uh, and he understood, he understood them, right? He, he sought to understand the social worlds that he went into and so that he could be effective. But he didn't go right. to join just so he could have a new sticker to put on his shirt. Yeah, you know, exactly. that's, that's like not, and so he could go around telling people, yeah, yeah. See my sticker? <clears throat> no, because that, that's like mind, that's like mindlessness. It's like, like you're shutting off your brain in terms of like, we need to be actively um, enthusiastic about our identification with Yeshua. That's right. That's the deal. And, um, and anyway, joining a sect doesn't, you know, doesn't save a person. Right. I, and this is saved a big point. By joining a sect. I mean, so this so is a big if point. I, if for I'm Paul. not saved by joining a sect, and there's, you know, so how b big of a priority? If I'm not saved by joining a denomination, now the Catholic Church, I think, don't they, right. doesn't the Roman Catholic Church believe that you're not saved unless you are? I don't know. I'm not going to pretend. Yes, that is true church. because the Council of Trent, which has not been retracted by the Catholic Church. So, yes, you are correct. Anyway, like, I, I, I want to uh, I want to cut the, the conversation on this here simply because I think that there's been some really good answers. Maybe we'll get some more emails from this to further this conversation. And if you want to email us on the subject, please do so. Chegatorresource.com, C-H-E-G-G at Torresource.com. You can also leave us a voice message, 253-465-3205. Okay, the reason that I cut us uh, at that point is simply because I want to get to our main topic for the day. And I want to do that before we are out of time for the day. And so what is our main topic? Well, last week... We talked about grace versus law, and we did that uh, with the springboard of using Romans 6.15. I'm not going to read that passage for you. Uh, we talked about it last show, show 414, and if you'd like to go back and watch that show, you can do so and catch that conversation. And so Tim Lee, who is, by the way, in the chat room, and thank you, Tim, for this, um, for this question. I think this is a great question because I don't think that I clarified well enough what I meant by this, and we'll, we'll use this and, and uh, try to talk a little bit more about this subject. Tim writes in and says, regarding minute mark 40 minutes, 50 seconds, what do you mean? And that, by the way, just pause real quick, T, T, T. Uh, if you want to go back and hear the exact thing that I said, you can find it show 414 at minute 40 and 50 seconds. So regarding 4050, what do you mean by grace in the Torah? Do you mean by it speaking to grace in the belief in Christ? Certainly, and I, I want to be very clear about this, certainly we see the grace of God given through the prophetic understanding uh, of the Messiah. We see the grace of God given to Abraham for his faith in God and in the coming seed that would come from the woman and take away the sin of the world. Uh, we see uh, grace in, in things like Isaiah and other places that talk about the sacrifice of our Lord. We see grace in the sacrificial system in the representation of blood being spilled for someone else to atone for them. So certainly these things all encompass grace, but that is not exactly what I meant. Although I fully agree with that. And that's probably, I would say, at the forefront of people's understanding of grace in the law of God. However, what I mean is that the, that the law of God is God's grace. Now, I have written on this since, uh, since last week. And uh, for those who are members of my website, pronomian.com, my, uh, I think it's four-page article on this exact subject, Grace in the Law, is now available for our members. And next, uh, next week, I will make it uh, public for everyone. So next week, you can go and see a quick write-up of this. However, I came up with uh, four different reasons that I think that the law itself is grace. And I will share one of them, and then we can talk about it. And you can add as many as you would like, Rob. So examples of the law being grace. This is what I wrote in number one. The law is a reflection of who God is. It shows us his nature and is the best representation of God and his holiness. So <clears throat> one of the things that we see, I'll, I'll shoot this over to you if you want to talk about this here in just a second. 
um, one of the things that we see is that God's nature is in, is encompassed in the, the Torah. And the reason that, that I say that is because God says it. Be holy, for I, your the Lord your God, am holy. Right? We see this throughout Leviticus. You know, Leviticus is the biggest place where this uh, this is is stated. Be holy, for I am holy. Okay? And so, well, how do we know how to do that? Within the pagan religions, a lot of the time, there's no law code that is given. The, the pagans are left wondering what is going to make their God happy, what is going to, all these kind of things. And the fact of the matter is that God does not leave us wondering. He says, this is who I am. And then he gives us a, a picture of himself, and he does that through the law. This is grace in the fact that we see the, the nature of God. We understand better and we come closer to God through the law. That's number one. Rob? Yeah, that's a really good one because it's like, I mean, we could ask, is it is it good or bad that the creator reveals himself to his creatures? Is that a good or a bad thing? Well, it's kind of a trick question because it's both. <laughs> it's good right, right. for those. <laughs> it's good for those who love him. And it's bad for those who hate him. So his self-revelation reveals, it, it can't help but reveal the hearts of men. Let's put but, this into an, go, go, I'm sorry, keep going. I, I want you to keep going. Oh, I was just going to say one other point on this is just to, to maybe take a moment and define grace. So when I, when I think of the word grace, I have this standard theological definition that I think is is tight. I think it's it's really great. It's unmerited favor. Right. Yes. Unmerited favor from from one who has power, right? In other words, it's not like the favor is in fact benefit real benefit coming from someone who has the power to bestow that benefit. Right. And it's unmerited. Right. That's what grace is. And so if you want to talk about, you know, the creation itself, right? It, it, it And God said, it is good. It is good. It is good. Right? That He didn't have to create the world, let alone he didn't have to create a world that was good. Right? I mean, it's was God obligated? No, he's doing it as an act of, of self-revealing. So the, it's, the creation itself testifies to him because it's it's not like he created a world and then revealed himself to the world as a separate act as if that is a great point as if the creation itself didn't already testify to his to his majesty but because he made us in his own image that that means we have humans he designed humans and put us in his creation because his elect are going to be human and that they will be able to see him as he is ultimately. But because of the fall, we know the whole story, it gets uh, messed up. But grace, whether, you know, Abraham, right? The deliverance, and, and this ultimately, Paul makes his point in Galatians, we have to we have to separate, and this is back to the Judaisms, right? The, there were the traditions of men and other, uh, what emerges in the rabbinic world is to look at Sinai in and of itself, as a revelation that um, is the starting point. And then they'll say, well, Abraham was the first Jew, you know, etc. But but in the apostolic writings, we're told, no, you can't understand the Sinai covenant unless you anchor it and frame it within the covenant with the patriarchs. Because it's not, I mean, you can read this even in like Deuteronomy, right? He says, it's not because you were so great. It's not because of your righteousness that the Lord does, did this. The Lord delivers Egypt or, or delivers Israel from Egypt because of the promise to Abraham. Right. Not because, because of Moses, not because of any righteousness of, of, among the Israelites in Egypt, but solely because he could swear by no one greater. He swore by his own self that he would do this so in that regard it's the the redemption of israel from from egypt is not personal to any of those people it it is personal 
to God because they, who they are as his promise to Abraham to find them in your, in your seed, all the nations will be blessed, right? We know that, but also look at the stars and, and count them if you're able. So shall your offspring be. And he b- believed the Lord and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. The picture here is God is choosing and benefiting and blessing, right? And we know from the end of Romans 8, calls, justifies, sanctifies, glorifies, all because of his grace. Because there's no right. works by man that contribute at all. The only, the only works that contribute are the works of Yeshua, who came and and um, because of what his, his what we call his active obedience, um, and and acquired us, he purchased us, and if we belong to him, then we are heirs of according to the the covenant promise. So that's that. This is the way that the Torah is supposed to be read. This is the way the prophets are to be understood. This is the message of, uh, that the prophets continued you know, to preach, even when they were persecuted, even when they were thrown in a pit or killed. So let's, let's stop for just one second. Scott brings up a great passage. And I, I think that this is important for us to talk about. And this is kind of where I was coming from in the beginning. Like we can't separate Christ and the coming Lord in the Torah from the law. So Scott brings up this passage, John 1, 16 through 17. And uh, it says, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. If we take the coming Lord or the Lord that has come out of the equation, then all you have is law. All you have is no one can be saved by that. You don't have Abraham being saved. You don't have any grace at all. All you have is condemnation. And so you cannot separate law. You cannot separate the new covenant from the, the covenant that's of Moses. Not the law's, it's not the law's fault that humans are sinners. Right. I agree completely. Right. It's not the law's fault. The problem is the, and right. The problem is, is sin. Uh, I, I completely not, agree with you. Okay. All I'm saying, all I'm saying, what I'm saying here is that yes, the, the, the law does condemn. And we talked about this last week in Romans 6.15, right? The law condemns. And what are we freed from? We are, we are no longer under the, and uh, you know, we're, I'm going to supply the word. We're no longer under the condemnation of the law. Right. Right. Cause we're not slaves to sin is no longer our master. Exactly. And now right, we are when, free. As long as sin is your master, you, you, you cannot please God. There's exactly. just, you're, you're in the wrong column. You're in the curse column. Yeah. And the strength of that condemnation is God's revealed word is the right. Torah. Yeah. Okay. So, so when, when, yeah, go ahead. I, I want to, well, I want to, I want to keep going here. <clears throat> I'm going to give you my second reason why I believe that the, okay. the law is grace. Number two, we are commanded to be like Christ. And we see this in multiple passages. I'll cite two of them here. And then uh, if you uh, receive our show notes, I'll put more passages in. It says in 1 John 2, 6, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way which he walked. And then Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So we are to walk like Christ. We're supposed to be like Christ. The Torah tells us how to do this. And once again, if the Torah is a reflection of God's nature, then, and and if Yeshua is Yodhevave, which we fully believe he is, then to walk like Christ is to walk as the Torah tells us to do. He will... And, and beyond, right? I mean, and the, the, our master tells us this in the scriptures. The Torah tells you, don't commit adultery, I say to you, right? Anyone who lusts in his own heart. So our Lord takes it even further than, than the written law code and says, no, 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 it's a heart issue. So my point is, is that if we want to see how it is that we are to walk like Christ, we are to do that through a love for God, a love for Christ, and through the Torah, and understand that, there, it, that it's more than just doing commandments, but rather, it is uh, love flowing through the righteous acts of Torah. That's that's a, the other the second re- way that I see uh, grace, uh, the law being grace. Rob, yeah, when, when God revealed His Torah in 
human language, he he understood, he knew full well that unbelievers would twist it. Oh, of course, yeah. Right? I, I mean, like in the in the one year cycle right now, we're reading uh the just the first chapters of Exodus, right? So it's so uh this last week was uh Parshat Shemot. And and in it, you know, God sends Moses back to Egypt. And and what does Pharaoh do? Pharaoh, who is the Lord that I would serve him, right? And he just uh says they need to up their quota, right? He ups their quota right. for for bricks, my bricks? with less yeah. straw. And then you have this scene, I think it's in Exodus 5, where they're like, you have these Israelite foremen who are going to Pharaoh saying, why are you treating your servants this way? So it's Israelites who who have raised, the, who are up a level, right? Because they're foremen. So they're like overseers of their own people. But they're going to Pharaoh saying, why are you treating your servants this way? Like that we're your servants. But then they go to Moses and Aaron and say, the Lord will judge you for what you're doing. So it's like, so they invoke the name of the God of Israel, these these Israelite foremen who serve Pharaoh are invoking the name of the God of Israel to, to condemn the acts of Moses and Aaron. So... So obviously they're obviously it's very similar to what we read in Acts 24, where you have this Jewish guy pointing out Paul and saying, he's a ringleader. He stirs up dissension. He even tries to defile the temple, right? So God knows when he gives his word that you're going to have religious, quote, people. I'm using the scare quotes because they're not really religious, but they they take the language of God's revelation just enough so that they can use it and spin it to their own power, <clears throat> God knew that that was going to happen, and the prophets suffered for it, right? Because the prophets continued to preach the, the word of God, and Israel continued to go again and again into idolatry and into, you know, syncretism and all this kind of stuff, mixing the things of God with the things of men, thinking that they were somehow going to do better in the world because of it. But God always has a remnant of people who are of faith who uh, cling to him. They seek him first in all things, and they're going to be in line with the, with the prophetic tradition. And they're, they're the ones who hunger and thirst for righteousness, right? They're the ones who seek first the kingdom of God, and etc. cetera. Um, and they're going to be the ones who have the clear understanding of the revealed word of God, not the not the Sadducees. Like if you want to learn Torah, don't go to the Sadducees, right. even though they're telling you they're teaching Torah. Right. If you want to learn Torah, don't go to the Samaritans. They have a, their own Pentateuch. They think they're teaching the Torah. Right. Don't don't go to <laughs> don't go to the Orthodox Judaism if you want to learn the Torah. Right. If they if if they're preaching the Torah but they reject the gospel, yeah, probably not teaching the true Torah, you know, my guess. Right. Okay. Let's, let's keep going. I have two more, but we're just going to touch on one of them. So this, the third one that I have was holiness is not uh, guesswork in other words. And I'll just touch on that real quick. And then we'll go, we'll go to the, to the last one. Holiness is not guesswork. If you look at the pagan religions, even today, right? What do they do? They, they build an idol. They put, uh, they put fruit in the offering or incense or whatever, what is this for? They believe that the God will come into the idol and will be appeased or, you know, will, will accept their offering and then, then he won't consume them or whatever it may be. Um, and there's this guesswork of, you know, oh, it's not raining. Maybe our God is, is mad at us or, you know, even Elijah, right? Oh, is yeah. your, is your God He's, in the bathroom? You're not loud enough. Yeah. 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 Keep, yeah. Keep going. He's, he's asleep. You got to wake him up. Right. And maybe he's on a journey. The the simple point here is that our God has given us clear instruction. There is no guesswork. Israel will be kicked out of land if they do X, Y, Z. Israel will stay in the land if they do X, Y, Z. You will be blessed and uh, enjoy long life if you do X, Y, Z, so on and so forth. So the blessed, the, the holiness uh, is, is not, we're not guessing whether or not God is, you know, well, I wonder if, if God's going to be angry at me today and it's not going to rain. No, no, no. We have a clear 
it's clearly laid out. And fin- that finally, the last, the last one and the one that we'll talk about a little bit here is commandments are in fact a blessing. This is counter, uh, counter to the, the mainstream Christian idea that uh, less commandments means God loves us more, right? Well, God gave us 10 commandments, but there are really only nine commandments. Um, and that, that means that he loves us a lot because we don't have all these laws like the Jews do. The Jews, the Jewish people actually believe the opposite. They believe that the more command, like commandments are a blessing. God loves you if he gives you commandments. And this can be, this can be uh, shown through uh, examples of, of fatherhood in my own life. Uh, I would not consider myself a overly strict parent. However, I do tell my kids not to lie. I tell my kids not to be mean to other kids. I tell my kids all sorts of different things. Don't touch hot stuff. I, you know, uh, do well in your studies, clean your room, all these different things. And what am I doing? I'm attempting to prepare them for, uh, to be good members of society, but also to follow the Lord. And there are consequences for my children if they disobey, right? My, and they my know it in advance, right? It's not absolutely. like, yep. it's not like, oh, you didn't clean your room. You're grounded. It's like, but you didn't tell me to ground my room. It doesn't matter. You should have read my mind. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Could you imagine? there are consequences. Now, there, and I write this in my article, by the way. We we have, we know several families, they don't discipline their children. It's very, very free form parenting. And they don't discipline their children. We have one family that we know, that I know. There's one family I know. They don't use the word no. To use what? the word no is no, 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 that, that's, that's a, that's a mean word. You don't use the so word wait, no. So wait, no, no, they say no to no. <laughs> Just say no to no. I'm going to tell you this, and I hope that these people that I'm talking about don't watch this show. They have the worst <laughs> behaved children I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> okay. They don't, you're not naming them. So that my, my kids absolutely <laughs> don't, that it's not just that they don't want to, to hang out with these kids. They don't even want to be around them. And the reason why is because they throw temper tantrums. They, I mean, and I'm not talking about just one family, the multiple families. Well, <laughs> I live in the Northwest, so it's, I mean, you know, whatever. But the, but the point here is simply this. It is a blessing for my children to be reared by someone who actually has standards and holds them to those standards. And God loves us and gives us commandments because he gives us commandments because he loves us. It's, it's not, you know, and John even says this in first John, it says, and his blessings are not, or, and his commandments are not burdensome, Right. It's not a burden to have these commandments. If we have Christ, these commandments become blessings. We get and the to know our... are the traditions of men that when exactly. they talk about, like in Matthew 23, he's like, they bind burdens on men that they, things that they themselves don't even do. Right. You, 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 you go through land and sea looking for a single proselyte, and then you make him twice as much the son of Gehenna as yourself. Right. That's what, why are they, why are, why does he talk about Pharisees making proselytes sons of Gehenna? Right. It's because they're loading on them all these expectations and rules. And I'm Catholic. <laughs> Back to our nice uh, audio clip. We have the best rules or the most rules. Do you have it? <laughs> I'm a Catholic, which is the best of all the religions really because we have the most rules and the best clothes <laughs> and the best clothes That's, so but so, the idea is is that the contrast between what you just cited from first john that's that's what walking in with yeshua is not and, the and, burdens and burdens and burdens of all these commandments so so commandments are a blessing when they cohere with the covenant promises right when they reflect god's will and the John 17 project actually makes a comment that that is really the point of all of what I've been saying. John 17 project says that's not parenting, that's a sad form of abuse. Then yeah, why agreed. is it that the main why is it that the main uh, the mainstream Christian church they don't see that as a sad form of abuse when it comes to the church. They see that as a blessing when it comes to the church. In other words, Ooh, well, God, God you loves write us. An article just on that one, Caleb. Right? God loves us, <laughs> and so He's He's done away with all of His His regulations, all of His commandments. That's why God loves us. But when we bring it into the parenting realm, all of a sudden, those parents aren't parenting; they're doing a form of par- of uh, uh, child abuse. Our God does not practice child abuse. What He is doing is He is rearing us, and He does that through His law. This is grace. 
This is unmerited favor, which God has bestowed on us. So this is what I mean when I say that I believe that the law is grace. Now, it has to be taken in tandem with the sacrifice of Christ, with faith in Christ. This is how the new covenant comes to be. And so it's only with the new covenant that, that, the, that the law becomes grace. Otherwise, the law is condemnation, which for believers yeah, could also be seen as grace. Heart, without regenerated heart, God's law only condemns. Right, exactly. I hope that that clears it up for everybody. And, and that condemnation is just, by the way. It's Absolutely. Not it's not unjust. It's not like God's mean to, to reveal the law. That's not it. it it's, his condemnation is just. Yep. Um, so uh, where do you send emails? Okay. So for uh, James Caleb and everyone at else. MessiahMatters.com. Yeah, you can send them to Caleb at MessiahMatters.com. Or here it is. Go ahead and write this down. You'll see it at the bottom of the screen. It is C-H-E-G-G. At TorahResource.com. It's C-H-E-G-G at TorahResource.com. You can also uh, send us uh, voicemails by uh, giving us a call. 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. And you will not talk to us. You will just leave a voice message so you can uh, tell us all the things that you love, hate, agree with, disagree with. Doesn't matter. And uh, yeah. Well, right. you're never going to listen again. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, it's been it's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. Um, hmm, let me take this off of my screen real quick so that I can put something else up. We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing, and that is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? You know why. Because Messiah matters. Why?